This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Good morning, Nova Church. Good morning, Pastor. It's good to be here. I was really looking forward to being with you guys in person, but that uh, wacky virus has kind of thrown a wrench in all of our lives. And I know it's affected you guys uh, as it has, of course, in New York. And those of you that stay up with the news know that New York has been the center of the center of the mess, which New York has a tendency to be the center of every mess that kind of comes along, whether it's a pandemic or, and now we're all having fun here with the riots. So uh, it just keeps getting better, but it's good that I'm here with you guys through this. And hopefully when the dust settles from uh, all this drama, I'll be able to get back uh, maybe next year and uh, see you guys face to face. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be a lot of things that I want to uh, show you today, share with you. But let me warn you, uh, no matter where you're watching this, what you're going to hear today is going to be disturbing. You're going to see some things on your screen that are going to be disturbing. I don't apologize for that. But I want to give you a heads up in advance because most of you know me. Um, I'm sure some of you do not, but I think Pastor has introduced me well enough. And I think you can see by the video that you've just watched that my life is a bit different. It's not the normal preacher's life. Hasn't been from the beginning 50 years ago into where we are today. So as we get through this time together today, I just want you to know that it's moments like these. It's messages, I believe, just like this, like I'm going to bring you in just a moment. Because I've watched this happen all over the world. That has that innate capability to reach out and grab you by the throat and force you to look at yourself through a different set of eyes. That was my prayer for this service, for this time, because we live in such uncertainty. And quite honestly, guys, the thing that I have noticed as I get phone calls from all over the world, people calling, wondering what I think, and it's what I'm picking up. The thing that most people are struggling with is the uncertainty, this issue of uncertainty. What about my job? What about my family? Kids are out of school. This is happening. That's happening. And now these, these issues that seem to be not just social issues, but issues that have plagued mankind from the beginning of time. And so I hope, I pray, I can believe with you, as I know many of you have been praying for this time. Is it something you'll see today, something you'll hear today, will not only make sense to you, but it will give you some ammunition to be able to share some truths, some biblical principles that can help not just you and your family, but others around you. Make sense? I believe it is. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you. Lord, we're aware of your presence. We're aware that where the enemy comes in like a flood, that you raise up a standard against it. 
And so, Father, give me a clear mind today. Give me a clear word. Let your people hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to them in this hour. Use us, Lord, to make a difference in this uncertain world, in uncertain times. And yet, we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let that truth be real today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, you'll have a chance today, at the end of the service, uh, to get our website, to get some information. Um, some of you have visited me in New York. Some of you have ridden my bus. I still drive the Sunday school bus here on Saturday to pick up the kids. And after today, some of you may even want to go with me to the Philippines. If you've never been on a missions trip, I challenge you. First week of March every year, I take people down there. Walk with me. See what I see. Go where the kids live in the garbage dump. Go and see things that you've never seen before. Allow an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can get a hold of you and bring about the change that only he can bring. So there'll be information on your screen. I want you to be prepared to get that. You'll also have a chance at the end to sponsor one of our kids. Our Metro World Child Sponsorship Program is a critical part, folks, of what we do with the kids all over the world. You know by now that Metro is the largest Sunday school in the world today. Over 250,000 kids hear the gospel every week. How did that happen? It happened because in 1960, an ordinary Christian stopped, picked me up, got me some food. My mother left me on a street corner. I sat there for three days. The one Christian man to stop, his own son was in the hospital, dying of leukemia. Had every reason not to stop, but he stopped, put his hand on my shoulder, and just said, are you okay? I said, I'm just hungry. He got his wife. She brought me some food and water. He made some phone calls. And five hours, five hours after this contact on a street corner, He's loaded me in a church van, sponsors me to go to a Sunday school camp. I heard the story of Jesus for the first time, and my life was set in a totally different direction. I was a kid sitting on the corner, abandoned. Anybody could have picked me up. A gang member could have picked me up. A drug dealer, a pedophile. Anyone could have been the one to stop. But the only one that did stop was the ordinary Christian. He put something into motion that day that now the end result of that one simple act of compassion has now led not just to the largest Sunday school in the world, but Metro is not even a ministry anymore. It's a movement that has gone all over the world. And a big part of this movement has been ordinary people, like that Christian that picked me up, ordinary people that have said, you know, I can't change the world. I get that. I understand that. And others say, I can't even change a city. I get that. I live in New York. You don't think that, you don't think that weighs on me sometimes? I understand that. But here's the reality. You may not be able to change the world. You may not be able to change a city. But here's the hook. You can change one. 
You can change the life of one. That's what this is, guys. You will have an opportunity today at the end. The website will come up. You'll be able to connect with me. And I'm sure Pastor Mike will give you directions on that later. He'll be talking to you more about that. Um, you'll have a chance to sponsor a child from New York, the kids we work with here in New York City. Maybe a kid like Daisy here from Kenya. Maybe a boy or a girl in, pick one, India. Would you like to make a difference to a child that lives in the slums in India? How about the Philippines? If you sponsor a child in the Philippines and you go with me, you can visit your sponsored child when you go. A lot of opportunities, and that'll be at the end. And if you've ever wondered, does this sponsorship thing make a difference? It's 42 Canadian dollars a month. It's a great investment in the life of a child. That was just like me, just exactly like me. That's why I'm so passionate about this. But if you ever wondered, does this make a difference? It was in Ethiopia several years ago. And I went to the orphanage that we had helped start. And when I arrived at the orphanage, the director said, Pastor Bill, he said, we heard that there's a child chained to a tree out in the bush. So you'll understand more by the time this message is over. I'm very in your face. I'm very confrontational. I'm a whole school. After you've been shot twice, stabbed five times, and seen 23 people murdered, I don't have time for church games, folks. Those days are over. Long gone. This is, this is real life today. And he said, we heard there's a kid chained to a tree left to die. I said, has anybody gone to look? And of course, no one had. I said, give me the keys to the Jeep. I got a couple of their staff. We jumped in the Jeep. We're driving around the bush there in Ethiopia for an hour. And surprising, even to me, we found this little girl. Her name was Rosie. She had her hands and her feet chained to a tree. Her parents wanted a boy. She was born. They kept her for a while. And then one day just decided they didn't want her anymore. So they took her out to the bush, chained her to the tree, left her to starve to death. And the animals, of course, would come and eat the body. I jumped out of the Jeep. There was a set of cutters there in the Jeep. I jumped out. of. She was chained with something that looked like a bicycle chain. I cut her loose, picked her up, put her in the Jeep, got her back to the orphanage. And I want you to take a look at this picture. Put that picture up for us, fellas. And this is Rosie. I took this picture myself when we got back to the orphanage. And for those of you that have worked in the medical profession, you will know this. There's a level of starvation. So once a child passes that line, it's very difficult to bring them back. You know when someone's starving, the body is eating itself. And the end result, of course, is what it is. Rosie is right on that line. And I knew it. I took the picture you're looking at right now. I put it in one of the folders. The folder I've just showed you, 
the folder I'll show you again at the end of this message. I put her picture in one of our sponsorship folders. I said, I've got to get this girl a sponsor. I have to. This is a life and deather. I left two days later, got back to the States. I was preaching in California that following week at a conference. And I had told the same story I just told you of Rosie. And I held up the packet with picture that you're looking at. I said, folks, somebody here has got to help me. Somebody's got to help Rosie. Somebody's got to say that they want to make a difference in one. And I went to the back table, and when I'm preaching, I have these folders, these packets, with the pictures of the children. They are live. They're on tables. And people can actually go after the service and pick out the exact child that they want to be responsible for. And a lady ran out of the auditorium. She had her little daughter with her. Ran to the back and said, Pastor Bill, we want to sponsor Rosie. I said, ma'am, I said, I appreciate it, but I, I got to be honest with you. I don't even know if this little girl is going to be dead or alive tomorrow. I don't know. It's that critical. And she looked at me and she said, it doesn't matter. She said, I want to be the one that maybe can save her life. And as she was talking to me, she kept looking down, my God, at her little daughter. You know what she was thinking. She was looking at the picture on the table of Rosie and looking at her own daughter and realizing that by the grace of God, you better get this, folks, that by the grace of God, you know what I'm saying, she took that packet, signed up. She was a wonderful sponsor, faithful sponsor, faithful with her commitment. She was actually getting boxes of, of nutrients, of protein, shipping it to Ethiopia, to the orphanage, to try to, to get some weight on Rosie. We never really heard much from Rosie. They don't have Wi-Fi there. There was not really a lot of communication. But I got a chance to get back there about six months later. I didn't know what to expect. Hadn't heard if she was dead or alive. I got to the orphanage, and I was shocked. Give me that next picture, guys. Come on, give the Lord a praise wherever you are in your own place. Just praise God for what you're seeing. The end result of what? Of one again, again. One ordinary Christian who was sitting in a service heard the message just like you are right now. Heard it. Saw it. Caught the vision. It became real. Sponsored one child and literally saved a life. You want to talk about befores and afters? You just witnessed the ultimate before and after. Why? Not because of me. I was just a channel. I'm the guy that, that's out in the field all over the world. Yeah, that's my role. That's what I do. But then I take the needs and try to somehow communicate them to folks like you. And then, and then it's up to you to step up to the plate and say, I can't change the world. I can't change a city. But by the help and grace of God, I can save the life. I can change the direction of one child's life. That's what that's what you'll have a chance to do today. Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for allowing 
me to share the, the sponsor. Take the picture down, guys. To, to be able to give the folks, folks there at Nova, an opportunity to make a difference. The, the food situation in Kenya right now, because the virus is now spreading into that area. The food situation is tough here in New York, but it's, it's, it's reaching a critical point there in Kenya. And you know the ones that always suffer the most in any riot, in any pandemic, in any natural disaster, you know who suffers the most, don't you? It's always been the children. They live in a world they did not create, and now they have to live in it. I'm asking you, not for me, for them. If you can, please, make sure you get the information off the screen. Let us know. You can tell us if you want to sponsor a child in New York. It's wonderful. Philippines, Kenya, India. Let us know. Boy or girl, who would you like to be responsible for? Age, let us know. We want to serve you. We want to help you help a child that was just like me. That's all I want to say about that. And uh, I want to get right into the message. But Pastor, thank you again. Thank you, sir. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. And thank all of you, if, uh, if you can do it. Maybe some of you can sponsor two or three. I don't know. I don't know who's watching. I don't know where you're watching. But wherever you are watching, you can be the one that makes that difference. Thanks. Thanks, folks. Thanks. Get your Bibles out, please, if you will. And I want you to open to the Gospel of John, chapter number 20. The Gospel of John, chapter number 20. I have preached. I don't, I've lost track of the amount of sermons that I've preached from this 20th chapter. Amazing truths in this 20th chapter. But I want to take one truth that I stumbled upon, actually by accident. And I want to hopefully make it real to you today. During this time of uncertainty, during this time of struggle, whatever it is, believe that today this Bible truth is going to help you. I believe it. I believe it. It was just last week I got a phone call. It was right in the middle when these, when these riots just started happening. And someone had called me from Asia. And they said, Pastor Bill, you're in the middle of the coronavirus. I'm, we, I, had, I was asked to go to one of the hospitals not far from where I'm standing here in our ministry center in Brooklyn to pray for doctors and nurses dealing on the front lines with this virus. They don't allow anyone in there, not even the loved ones of the patients, but they knew me. I've been here for 40 years. They said, Pastor, can you come pray? I had to put on all the PPE, the protective equipment, walked in, with the shields, the masks, the, the jackets, went from one floor to another. Sixth floor hospital, started the sixth floor, went down each floor, went to the nurses' stations. The doctors and nurses gathered together. We prayed. We prayed. It was amazing. 
You sensed the power of the Holy Ghost in that place. I saw some things that day I've never seen in my 50 years of ministry. Outside that hospital are two refrigerator trucks where after they've put the dead bodies from the virus into the body bags, they load them into these refrigerator trucks because there's not enough room in the morgues. I was standing outside these refrigerator trucks. In my 50 years of ministry, never seen that before either. And someone from Asia called me and said, Pastor Bill, what do you see? What do you see? How do I explain what I've just tried briefly to explain to you? It's not easy. It's not easy in person. It's not easy through a camera lens. But I think today I can maybe give you a little insight into not only what I see and why, but what you see and then what. Let's take a look at it. Because this 20th chapter of John, when it's normally preached or taught in most churches, the teacher, preacher, usually uses these verses that I'm going to give you in conjunction with Easter time. An Easter message. It makes sense because it's the story of the first Easter. So this theoretically is a perfect Easter message. But is it only limited to Easter? I think not. Because in this 20th chapter, we see three of Jesus' closest friends come to the empty tomb. They look in the empty tomb, and if I was there, I would ask them the question that that person from Asia asked me, what do you see? Mary comes to the tomb. She knew Jesus. Peter comes to the tomb. He knew Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. He walked on water. He looks in the tomb. What do you see, Peter? And then John comes to the tomb, the worshiper. What do you see, John? Three friends, three people that, number one, knew the man personally, not second-handed, didn't read it from a book, didn't get it second-hand. They knew the man. They saw the power. They witnessed the miraculous. They knew the man. They heard his message. They saw things that you and I could only pray to see. They knew the man. They heard his message. They saw the miracles. And now, don't, don't, don't miss this. And now they are looking in an empty tomb. And they are looking at what you and I would call a fulfilled prophecy. Why? Because Jesus said he would die. He said he would rise. They heard it with their own ears. And now they're looking in an empty tomb. But the question begs to be answered. Then and now, what do you see? Hmm. And I'm going to keep asking you that question 
until some of you answer it for yourself. Because this is not a question that can be answered collectively. It's got to be answered individually. It has to be, folks. Or it's really not answered at all. It's just not. Give, give, give me a picture, guys. Give me that next picture. Thank you. What, what do you see here? See a little boy hugging a pile of dirt? This is in Kenya. Can, give me another slide. Give me the close-up of that. You got You got Okay. What, what do you see now? What you are looking at here is a little boy that was left in a field in Kenya. Our director of Metro World Child in Kenya found him. She ran up there. You see now that you get a closer look. See the dirt on his lips? He was so hungry that for two days he had been eating dirt. What do you see now? See, for a moment, for just a moment, it just saw this little boy with his arm around a pile of dirt. But upon closer inspection, God help us, a closer look, this kid's been eating dirt. You know what our staff member did. Of course you do. She didn't have to go take a class. She didn't have to go to a conference. She didn't have to read a book. You know what she did. She picked him up, took him back to the Metro Center, and guess what she did? Guess what she did? Yeah, she got him something to eat. Where do you think the things I say and people quote all over the world come from? When I look at people and say, the need is the call, do you get it now? Do you get it? She saw the need. The need became the call. The man that picked me up off the street all those years ago, he didn't hear an audible voice. He didn't see a burning bush. He saw the little boy that nobody wanted. Nobody. I guess that was the call of God for him that day. Yeah. Take the picture down. What do you see, Mary? What about you, Peter? What do you see? John! What do you see? For a few moments, let's take a look. Follow along with me. Keep your Bible open to that 20th chapter. But I want you to take a look, first of all, at this first verse. Mary comes early, still dark. She comes unto the sepulcher, and she sees the stone was taken away. She gets to the tomb. The stone is moved. She obviously looks in. She sees, follow me, follow me. She sees stone is moved. Oh, stone's moved. She sees tomb is empty. Oh, he's not there. She sees that word see or seeth there in that first verse in the Greek. It's an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word blepo, B-L-E-P-O. Blepo. What does blepo mean in the Greek? Let me explain. It means she looks, she sees, stone is moved. She obviously sees the tomb is empty. Blepo. But that word blepo means she just saw with her eyes. She didn't 
really understand what she was looking at. Oh, stones moved. Oh, tombs empty. Oh, she, she sees it. She sees it, but she can't put all the pieces of the puzzle that she's looking at together to comprehend, to understand, my God, what are you looking at, Mary? Why don't you understand what you see? If anyone should have understood what she was looking at, it should be this woman, but it's Blepo. She just sees the obvious. She just sees with her eyes. It's an amazing thing to me. When we can look at something that should be so obvious and yet doesn't. Give, give, give me another picture, guys. Give me, give me the next picture. You, 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 know, you know who this man is I'm standing with? Yeah. This was taken last Christmas. That's the man that picked me up off the street corner. That's the man. Ordinary guy, problems in his own life, struggles in his own life. His own child was dying of leukemia. Could have kept on going just like everyone else for three days, but he chose to stop. He saw, God help us in Jesus' name. He saw something in the little boy that my own mother didn't see. She didn't see it. He saw it. Why is that? Why is it that some people see things beyond just the obvious? All those other people for three days. <laughs> yeah. Isn't this interesting? What do you see, Mary Bleppo? Take the picture down. Look quickly at the sixth verse. Peter shows up. He looks in. He sees, he sees, same word in verse 6 as was used with Mary in verse 1. It says he sees the linen clothes, the empty grave clothes. Mary gets there, looks in, sees it. That word in the Greek in verse 1 is blepo. She sees with her eyes, but can't understand it. Peter looks in. In verse 6, sees the same thing. Tomb's empty. He sees the empty grave clothes. He sees, God help us. He sees the exact same thing that Mary saw. And in the English translation that you're looking at, it's the same word see. But in the Greek, it is not. In verse 1, when Mary looked in, it was blepo. She saw with her eyes. In verse 6, when Peter looked in and saw it, it's the Greek word for see in verse 6 is theorio. Theorio, which is actually where we get the English word theory. Why is this important? Especially now in the uncertainty of the times in which we live. You know why this is important. Mary looks at it. Blepo, she just sees with her eyes. But Peter, the same man who walked on water, that saw the miracles, he looks 
Empty grave clothes, empty tomb. He sees it, but it's theorio. That's where we get the English word theory. He looks in there and goes, what am I, what, what's happened here? What, what is this real? Theorio. What does Peter do? He starts building a theory, a hypothesis. He's trying to figure out what it is that he's looking at. Mary just saw it for what she saw in the tangible. Peter looks in. He knows something's happening here. He can't quite put his finger on it. Is he alive or not? Did he rise or did he not? He said he would. I don't know if this is what happened. I want to believe, but I'm not yet convinced. I know him. I heard what he said, but I remember that I denied him. I'm struggling. Is it real? Is it not? Is he real? Is he not? What do you see, Peter? Theorio. Mary saw with her eyes. Peter saw with his mind. It was all about the mind, trying to figure out what he's looking at. Yeah. I think, I think he was Canadian. I think he was from Canada. I can't prove that, but it's because it's all about this, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about this. All about education. All about the practical. All the, well, I wish I was with you guys in person. I'd reach out there and grab some of you by the neck and say, wake up. What do you see, Mary? Blepo. Stones move, tombs empty. Oh, Peter, what about you? What do you see? Theorio, he's trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure this thing out. By grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any man should both. Come on, folks. I've got an earned PhD from the University of Wales. I teach Old Testament in universities in Europe. And that's great. I have more formal education than anybody should have. And now I'm working on a medical degree because of all the, the work I do in the medical field out on the mission field. That's great. And it looks good on a book, PhD, MD. Sounds great in an introduction. But see, that's why, if you ever come visit me in New York, you know how when most preachers have an earned PhD, they frame it and hang it on the wall in their office? I get that. It's a substantial accomplishment. But if you come visit me, my PhD is not on the wall in my office. My PhD is framed and it's hanging in the Sunday school bus that I drive to pick up poor kids every week to teach them about Jesus. My PhD did not teach me how to drive that bus. My PhD did not teach me to stand in a food line like I will tomorrow, right outside these doors in Brooklyn, where the line was starting to line up this morning at 7.30 a.m. It didn't teach me that. Education's great. But I know homeless men that have earned PhDs that are homeless living under the bridge in New York City. Come on. So I keep asking you, what 
is it that you see? Not the person around you. What do you see? What do you see, Mary? What do you see? Blepo. Stones moved. Tomb's empty, but I, I, I don't know what happened. Peter, if anybody should understand this, it ought to be you. Theorio. He's trying to figure it out. Really? People today still, still trying to figure it out. Walk with me in the Philippines. Let the Holy Ghost break your heart. Watch the kids eat garbage. Watch them line up when the garbage trucks come in and empty so they can dig through it. The man that's operating the camera right now here in New York, he's walked with me. He's been with me. A lady to my left over here that's watching has walked with me. Come with me. See something that's out of your framework of normalcy. Out of the life that you have created. Understand that the whole world doesn't live like you and I live. But you know that, don't you? Or do you? I had one person a couple of years ago that went with me to the Philippines. And she couldn't stop crying. I understand that. I get it. And as we left, she said, Pastor Bill, I could have been born here. And I said, but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God, any of us could have been born in that garbage dump. We do Sunday school in a cemetery. There's over a thousand people that live in a cemetery in Manila in the Philippines. Born, raised, live in the cemetery. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. People think I'm lying when I talk about it. That's why I say, come, walk with me. See it for yourself. Don't, don't take my word for it. See it if you think you can handle it. If you think you're tough enough. So we do Sunday school right in the middle of a cemetery. Kids who live there amongst the remains of dead people. Every five years, they have permission to recycle the tombs. So there's not enough room to bury all the dead people. So you go to the back wall there in that cemetery, in those tombs that are up against the wall, and they break open the tombs, pull the skeletons out so they can put another dead person in there and seal it up. And you see bags, burlap bags, with the skeletons of the dead people. And you see the skulls and the bones. And this is where the kids live. Come on, folks. This is real life today. This is real life. God help us. What do you see, Mary? Bleppo. She doesn't get it. What do you see, Peter? Theorio. He's trying He's trying to figure, give me another picture, guys. Give me a picture. What, what do you see here? This one isn't quite as easy to figure out. The other ones kind of are self-explanatory. You got a close-up of that, guys? Have close-up? Give, give me the close-up. I took this picture in Haiti because I knew 
If I tried to explain this to you, you'd think I was lying here too. So I have to take pictures and show you. I told you at the beginning, some of these things you saw were going to disturb you today. Now you understand. What are you looking at here? I don't know if you've ever held a dying child in your arms and watched them die. I have. Maybe some of you will have that opportunity someday. Maybe not. But for the starvation factor, again, kicking back to the food factor in Haiti, it's been horrendous. Millions of dollars been raised by Canada and the United States, sent to Haiti, but because of the corrupt government and the corrupt leadership in that country. And you say, Pastor Bill, are you afraid to say that? Do I look like I'm afraid to say that? I've been there. I've spent a lot of time in that country. The corruptness at the highest levels of government in that country has destroyed a nation and has destroyed a generation, and I've witnessed it. That's why we have Metro Sunday School in Haiti. Somebody has to. Somebody has to. So these kids, if you watch a child starving to death, they're crying and crying uncontrollably, and then they just go silent. Their eyes go back, and they're gone. Yep. So, you know what the government does? The government, the corrupt government, they take dirt, mix it with water, and make what you're looking at on the screen. And they actually call them mud pies. Mud pies. They put them out in the sun. That's where this picture was taken. Let them dry. Stack them in piles. So that when the kids that are starving and crying uncontrollably becomes too much for people to deal with, the government feeds them the dirt. The mud pie. It makes them stop crying until they die. Don't ever wonder, folks, why I'm like I am. Don't wonder. I've done this a long time. I've done this a long time. You can see on this side of my face, got cut up in Yemen. Same thing. We're trying to get food there to feed starving kids. We have to. We have to. We know to get the food on a boat from Africa across that bay. We know we have to deal then with the pirates from Somalia. It's always something, isn't it? Always something. But see, my whole life has been prep. It's been preparation for such a time as this. Right here, right now, my whole life has been prep to make a difference, to get to go to places where other ministries and missions are either too afraid to go, don't have the resources. Why do you think we're starting Metro Sunday School in Kabul, Afghanistan? I was shot in the back in Syria last year by a sniper. It's not a game, folks. It's not a game. That's why I have to wear the bulletproof vest in so many of these places. But I'm asking you again, what do you see? What do you see now in this picture? Mud pies. Feed the dirt to the kids to shut them up. What do you see? Take the picture down. What do you see? But last, I know I'm out of time. Take a look at verse 8. John, 
comes to the tomb. He looks in. He looks in. And the, the transliteration here is perfect. It's right on the money. John looks in and it says, he saw. He saw. Same word again. See? Saw. He sees it. He saw an empty tomb. He looks in. He saw it. And what happened? He saw, comma, and believed. Come on, Jesus. Come on. He saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. It wasn't a question. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't trying to build a theory. Some people, you better get this today. Some people, when they see it, they believe it. John, for him, seeing wasn't a matter of believing. It was just a confirmation of what he already knew. Mary saw with what? She saw with her eyes. That was it. Peter saw with his mind. He tried to figure it out. But John saw with his heart. He knew the master. He saw Jesus. And he knew Jesus. And he looked in the tomb. He saw it. So I ask you, I ask you that question. What, what, what do you see? What do you see? Is it really possible for one person to see something and make a difference? Ordinary people like me and you, don't, don't let the cute suit fool you, okay? Remember who you're watching today. You're watching the little kid that was left on a street corner. Remember that? I'll tell you this, and then we'll be finished. It was, again, in Africa. We were trying to figure out if it was possible to start a Sunday school in a different village. And I was there talking with some of our team members, and I saw some men sitting kids in circles. And they were putting something in their mouth. I thought, what, what is going on here? And I, I got a little bit closer. And I saw this one little boy. Give me that picture, fellas. Put the next picture up. And I saw this little boy. You can see it here. His kid's chewing on this giant hypodermic needle. I thought, what in the world is going on here? I couldn't figure it out. And I asked one of the men that was with me, I said, what's happening? He said, Pastor Bill, this village is run by drug dealers. Has been for years. So what they do, they take a liquid, it's like a liquid cocaine, a liquid meth, and like a, they make a cocktail. They put it in these giant needles and they tell the kids to sit in circles and they say, hey kids, we're gonna give you Coca-Cola, open your mouth. And I'm watching these drug dealers Go around these circles of kids, shooting these drugs in the kid's mouth. And you can see in this picture, this kid's eyes, it's already affecting him. So they get him hooked on drugs. And I'm standing here. And I'm the one, and I think you've already figured this out, not to just sit on the sidelines. I'm always the guy 
that's going to the front lines. Always have been, always will be. I said, this, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. He said, it's just the way it's been. And I, I'm standing, and one of the drug dealers comes up to me. He said, oh, you, you're a preacher. I said, yeah, that's right. He said, well, just so you know, preacher, Jesus never going to be in this village. Drugs is the God of this village, always will be. See, he didn't know that in a couple of weeks, we were getting ready to start Metro Sunday School right there, right where we were standing, right there. I said, and you know, I live in Brooklyn. I have for 40 years. I can be one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet or not, depending on the circumstances. And I just kind of, I had to pull a Brooklyn on him, and I just took a step right in, got right here, right in the guy's face. I said, let me tell you something, pal. You better enjoy your time here right now, because in a couple of weeks, you're not even going to be around. He said, what do you mean? I said, no, no, you, you, you'll know. You're not even going to be here. You know, and I was so angry. And he kept asking, what do you mean, what do you mean? And I, there was so much I wanted to say, I just went, <laughs> I was just so angry. I said, just remember, in two weeks, pal, your day's done, and you're done. Because he didn't know Jesus was coming to that village. Big time. Big time. And that first day, we started Metro Sunday School. There, give me the next picture, guys. Take a good look. Take a good look. This is day number one. And all you're looking at here is the boys. We couldn't even get the girls over on this side. The camera couldn't get everybody in. How's this happen? How does this happen? It's not by just seeing a need and not knowing what you're looking at. Not by looking at a situation and trying to spend all your time figuring it out. But you look at something and you see it. And you have believed in your heart in who Jesus really is. Not who somebody said he was. Not who you thought he was. Not who you read he was. But when the truth of who Jesus really is connects with you, something changes. It's an old song we used to sing. You ask me how I know he lives? Go ahead, ask me. How do you know, Pastor Bill? How are you so confident in the truth? You ask me how I know he lives? I'll have to say with John. He lives within my heart. My heart. Does he live in yours? Or are you still trying to figure this thing out? Are you still looking at stuff and still not even understanding what you're looking at? Are you caught up with the fear and the uncertainty of the world that we live in right now? Pure love casts out all fear. I know whom I have believed. And I'm still persuaded that he's still able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. How about you? So I'm going to ask you one last time, and then I'm out. What do you see? They asked me what I saw in the middle of this pandemic. 
the riots, standing at the refrigerator truck full of dead bodies, praying for nurses and doctors. What do you see? I've seen a lot in 50 years of ministry. But I'm thrilled. I'm more excited about what I see today than I've ever been. Why? Because it's all been preparation, folks. And together. See that? I'm crazy enough to go to Afghanistan, to go to the cemetery, to go to Yemen. I, I'm cra- we were right down where the riots were Sunday afternoon last week. I have no problem with that. I have no fear. I have no fear. Never have. But I can only do what I can do. It's when people like all of you watching, all of you watching, say, Pastor Bill, I may not go to Yemen. I get it. You may not go with me to the Philippines. I wish all of you could. I wish you would. But you may not. But every one of you, if you look in the eyes of a child and then ask yourself, what do you see? What do you see? When that lady saw that picture of Rosie starving to death on the floor of that orphanage, it clicked, it connected with her. She saved a life. She stood between the living and the dead. And where she stood, the death stopped. But I guess that's a message for another time. So, there's going to be some information coming up on the screen. Let us know. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what's happening. Let us know what you can do to help Let us know if you want to sponsor a child or two or five. I have one man in Seattle, sponsors 50 kids through his business, making a huge difference, huge difference. But before I go, I want to pray for those of you. For those of you that have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And for those of you that have eyes to see, see what the Lord is placing before you an opportunity to make a difference. One man stopped, picked me up. He said, are you okay? And I used to stutter really bad when I was little. I tried to say, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. When I go outside on this food line, yeah, yeah, I know what it's like. Some of you know what it's like to be hungry. Some of you know what it's like to feel abandoned. Some of you are feeling right now the hurt and the pain and the uncertainty and issues. I get it, man. I'm not 20. I get it. I've lived a long time. I've seen a lot. But I wanted to bring you this truth today. Because wherever you are, open your eyes. That's why I sing so often. Open the eyes of my heart. I think some people think that's the only Christian song. I know. Now I know a few more. But I sing open the eyes of my heart because that's my prayer. Open the eyes of your heart. As John had his eyes opened and in his heart he saw and he believed. Let us see. Let us see. And together, that's the power of partnership. And that's what makes a difference. That's what can make a difference. 
in her life, in Rosie's life, that's what made a difference in my life. Father, I love you. I love you. I tell you as much as I can. I hope you don't get tired of hearing it. But I love you. I thank you. Because it was only by your grace that I was not born in a cemetery or in a garbage dump. By your grace. So I pray for my friends. Let this truth, let this message today be real to them. Be real to them. Open their eyes. Let them see. Let them see. Because there's still a little boy sitting on a street corner. Not far from where I'm standing. There's a little girl being sold. Right now. We all know that. Let us see it, Lord. And let us not just be stirred. But let us be moved to action. That's my prayer. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. And we sing, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 I want to see you. God bless you, folks. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you again someday. God bless. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Uh, hopefully today was moving for you. I want to echo him real quick today and ask you, what do you see? Well, you don't know, but I do because I've actually been in that room where he filmed that today for us just this week. What do you see when you see that room? Our production team saw the video wall behind them. I saw, I saw how clear the camera was. I, I saw, but you know what? I've been in that room. You know what that room used to be? It used to be a morgue. This old hospital built in, the, I believe, the early 1950s there in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and it used to be a morgue. And it used to be a place that people saw where you could stack the dead. But because of a team in New York that went in and saw something different, they saw a place not where to stack the dead, but to challenge the living. What do you see today? What do you see looking at your screen today? A live stream? church because this will do until we get back in person or do you see a chance to do something i've had this quote in my head for most of my life and it says this some dream of changing the world but others stay awake and make it happen i'm so thankful for a church that is fully awake and maybe some of you feel like you're waking up right now maybe the challenges of life and quarantine and Comfort has lulled you to sleep, but I'm believing today we're waking up as a church to help ourselves, help our city, and help our world. And we have a chance today to help our world. Pastor Bill didn't say it today, but he travels full-time to raise a lot of the money he needs, and he can't do that right now. So 
he came for a word that reaches our city. And as a church, we're reaching our city. Even tonight, as we rally and pray for racial equality, I want to let you know that your giving, which you gave about 40 minutes ago, we're actually helping cover some of those costs tonight. But right now, we want to take an offering, and all of this offering is going for Pastor Bill and Metro World Child. What do you see today? Click onto the next live stream or the, the next Disney Plus or Netflix, or can you we just take a moment? And you're going to see ways you can give even right now on the screen. If you want to text, there's a number you can text. Text the amount, and the word Metro might be 20 bucks, and the word Metro might be 100 bucks, and the word Metro. Some of you can even do more. You'll see that. And then the easiest way is the e-transfer. And you'll see that. And just in the, in the message on your e-transfer, somewhere in the notes, put the word Metro. Just Metro. Put the word Metro so we know it's beyond our regular tithes and offerings, which we need to do what we do. We want to bless Pastor Bill today. We want to bless him as he goes. You know what's amazing is that the need still happens and the need still goes on even when the world comes to a stop. Today, we can do something. Fully awake so I can do something today. Can you do something today? I'm asking you, church. If you've been around long a, time, a long time with Nova, we don't ask. We don't, we don't push for giving. We're not pushing today. We're simply asking, what do you see? Do you see a live stream and a, a great man doing a great work, or do you see a chance to partner and do something? I believe you're going to see a chance. Fully woke to make a difference. That giving is going to stay on as we play this last worship song. We love you so much. Thank you for being a church fully awake, making a difference here and abroad. As you give today, and partner with Pastor Bill as we bless him today. We believe the need is the call. Thank you.